Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Three Crosses Podcast. My name is Buzz, and I am so happy today to be joined by my friend Alyssa to help field some of your burning questions that you've sent in to us. If we don't get to your question today, we had so much fun, we plan to do another one of these in the future. So go ahead and send those in to podcast at threecrosses.org or send them to us on our Instagram platform, and we'll try to get those answered next time. Uh, Today, we're going to field some from life at Three Crosses to life in the faith to uh, areas of psychology and theology. It's going to be wild. Buckle up. Let's take a listen. Alyssa, thank you so much for joining us here on the Three Crosses podcast. And thank you for having me. Welcome. Uh, If this was Yelp, how many stars would you give us so far for our hospitality? Yeah, I think five all the way. Yep. This is your first time. On our podcast. Is that right? It is right. Yes. Is this your first time on any podcast? It is. I like a newbie here. I feel like you're going to be a pro. I just have some confidence in you. But this is perhaps your first time on a podcast. Are you a podcast listener? Are you like a fan of podcasting as a as a thing or as a genre? I like it. Yeah, I do. I listen to you guys. I listen to Buzz Hannon. And I listen That's to- That's very important. Yeah. <laughs> well, I travel from San Leandro to Danville. So when I'm on the road, I listen to- podcasting when music's kind of driving me crazy and I don't have the kids in the car so it's nice and quiet so I can listen to something and actually listen to it so yeah that's great I also love to podcast when I drive it's a good way of redeeming my commute in fact many of our listeners right now probably are also driving Mm -hmm. safety first eyes on the road yes all of that kind of a thing just listen to us so how long have you guys you and your family been coming to three crosses church here um, this is actually our first burning question. Yes, Did you see how I snuck it in there? Yes. I forgot that this is actually a questions episode and we should celebrate our questions more than we sometimes do. So how long have you guys been coming to Three Crosses? Uh, we've been coming for almost two years. Um, we've come for in the past for Christmas shows and different the musicals that have been going on, you know, on the campus, um, but actively two years. All right. What is it about Three Crosses Church that made you keep coming back? You know, besides my kids just really loving it, they love the children's ministry, they love having their friends here on Sunday. Um, my kids, along with your kids, go to Redwood Christian, and so their friends at school also are here as well, which is surprising. They also want to see them on the weekends, which is a good thing. <laughs> and then um, we just love coming and listening to, you know, at first we listened to um, Pastor Larry, and then we had the switch over to Danny, and that was great too. Um Danny has kids that go to school with us as well, so we know him. And so it was kind of interesting to see that change happen and watch him grow. Um, but just really listening to what they have to say, you know, makes us feel better. Um, when we have, you know, bad times, coming back to church just makes us feel great. And it really sets the tone for our week. And we know that when my husband and I miss church sometimes because of obligations, our day or the week feels kind of off. And so when we come back on Sunday, it's like, okay, let's reset. So. All right. That's cool. So there's kind of a community aspect of friends and friends of your kids, yes. and like belonging to the community. And then also that spiritual encouragement that you of get course, yeah. at Three Crosses. That's really cool. I'm glad that you guys have found that for two years mm-hmm. straight. Mm-hmm. You want to sign another two-year deal? Like right uh, now? Yeah, I've sure. Got the right. papers. Yeah, I'll sign away. Up in the office. All right. So our format today uh, is going to be me asking you some questions and then you asking me some questions. Sure. And some of these have come from our listeners. So thank you to all the listeners who sent these in. We're not going to name names and you know some of these maybe more confidential than others. Um, so we're just going to respect the, the questioner's privacy in that respect. So I have asked you one of my burning questions, and now it is time for you 
Okay, so the burning me. question that everyone wants to know is, what is one of the things you love about working at Three Crosses? Oh, wow. I appreciate this listener's confidence that they believe that I love working at Three Crosses. <laughs> <laughs> Their optimism. I would be more apt to ask, what's the thing you hate about Three Crosses? But uh, there are a lot of things, I think, that are positive about our church family. One of them is all the things that you listed about being a member at church here that you love. Like, my family also gets to benefit from that. So, like, the kids' ministry is amazing. Like, I get to watch our amazing and talented staff pour into my kids and like teach them about what it means to follow Christ. That's fantastic. The fact that most of my friends come to church here with me is awesome. So not only do I see them on the weekends, I get to see people every day at work. Like that's amazing. But the thing that I was the most excited to come to work here about and that I have continued to be excited about is that we have uh, just the privilege of having uh, a fairly large pastoral staff. Like most churches have like one pastor, maybe one other staff. If you're lucky, you have like two or three staff members and we have quite a few. And so I was just really have been impressed with Larry Vold, our former senior pastor, you know, who you mentioned before, mm-hmm. and just the way that he has had a lifelong ministry career, that he's been faithful to his family, faithful to the gospel, that when he preaches, somehow he really communicates to people that he loves them and cares about them. And that's something that I would really like to be like when I'm his age. Like when I grow up, I want to be like Larry, right? <laughs> and we so, all do. And so then to be here at Three Crosses and working and learning from not only Larry, but, you know, so many on our staff, like... I think that's really awesome. Like, I don't know how many people get the privilege of saying, like, I get to work alongside my mentors. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's great. So that's one thing. I think I said, like, five things, but well, I'm greedy. What can well, you do? Well, it's more than all the, ha- I'm sure, the hateful things you could think about. So that's good. I don't get a lot of hateful things, fortunately. So people probably just say those behind my back. Don't answer if you have ever said anything. I have not. <laughs> <laughs> I mostly believe you. All right, next Question. This is very important. Probably the most important question we're going to ask mm. all episode. If you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? Wow, that's a, that is a very burning question. Yes. Well, as I said before, I have two kids. One's teven, 10 and one is seven. And we have the same fight every single morning. I'm sure everyone listening probably has a similar fight and you do too, is getting up and getting ready and getting on with the day. And so my superpower would be just for them to listen to what I say. So that listening is probably the superpower I wish I had. We make lists. We have, they, I have them write their own list of how to get ready for the day and get going. So it's, it's a challenge. And I try not to yell. You just want people to do what you say. Exactly. And, and I don't ask a lot. So very little to make our, our day, not my day, our day go smoother. So I feel like all the parents are like, that's amazing superpower. I need that. Yes. And then anybody that's not a parent is like, what a waste. You could have had time travel. You could have had invisibility. Right. And all you want to do is get to school. And absolutely all we want to do is get to school. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Excellent answer. Five out of five. Oh, good. We're we're yelping this through. I know. David is our podcast producer and he's holding up a scorecard. And so five out of five. Five out of five. We're on it. All right. Let me ask you a burning question here. So. Let's see. Um, This listener or whoever wrote in said, I've been reading some books lately about the cross, and I'm getting confused about some of the claims that these authors are making. Would you be able to discuss some different points of view on what the cross means and what Three Crosses believes about it? Well, that escalated quickly. (laughs) It really, because, uh, you know, besides listening and getting to work on time, this we have, you know, we're here for one main reason, right? Oh man, I got to take off my sweater for this one. This is a really this is a really good question because I think a lot of times as Christians we feel like 
it's so easy, it's so simple. And then when you really kind of get down and probe about like what is Christianity really about, it becomes quite a bit more complicated and people want to make sure that we get it right and like the stakes are so high, am I believing the right things, right? So some of the different points of view about the cross are sometimes what we call atonement theories or like maybe like a layman's way of asking this is like, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Like, why couldn't God just forgive everybody without the cross being the vehicle by which that happened? Like, what's the point of it, right? And then like, kind of connected with that is like on the cross, what happened to Jesus? Like, why is that such an important and pivotal thing? And so people are trying to explain this through different, what they call atonement theories, or sometimes you might hear them called models of the atonement. I think it's important to, to remember these are more or less analogies to help us understand. And I think there are more or less truth in a lot of them. Uh, and not anyone, in my opinion, is strong enough to really get all of the essence of it. So I'm going to list kind of three or four of the of the best. If it gets boring, like just let me know, right? Because I love nerd stuff and I love to nerd on theology. So that's great. Okay, good. I believe you. All right, so let's get into this. So, like, one of the classic models of the atonement is what we call um, penal substitutionary atonement. P E N A L is penal, and it has to do like with uh, being put in a prison, kind of a thing. And this idea is basically that, like, um, humanity was in chains to their sin. And as a substitute for that, Christ died and he paid the price on the cross so that we could go free, kind of a gift that we couldn't earn on our own. This is the most classic model of the atonement. But uh, some of these later books about the cross are asking some questions about this model. And they say basically like, who's the person putting humanity in prison? right, in this analogy? Is it like an angry God, the Father, who has like locked humanity up, Mm -hmm. and he's just so mad at people that until he can get some sort of other compensation to just make him feel happy that he gets to put somebody in trouble, anybody in trouble, like it just feels like Jesus is unfairly scapegoated, right? And so I think this is a weakness of the substitutionary model is that it makes, it can imply that God is angry at people. I don't think that's the case, right? But I do think it is the case that there is some sort of real penalty for sin, right? That humanity is in chains to sin and and bondage. I think the scripture speaks about that sin leads to, to death and that the death of Jesus is substitutionary in that he died and we don't have to die true spiritual death. Mm-hmm. You know, but not only did Jesus die, he rose again. And that's kind of the second half of the atonement model is that he rose again and brought a full victory. So it's like a very quick glimpse about penal substitutionary atonement. There's also one called the ransom theory, which is very similar. Kind of we understand ransom from kidnapping, right? The kidnapper has you, and then you pay the money, and then they let you go free, right? And Jesus, in some way, is the ransom of this. And then same question is kind of there, like, so is God kidnapping people? Is Satan kidnapping people? And then God is paying him off with ransom money. And like, no, that's not actually the case. This is just kind of an analogy to help us understand it. There's another one that's becoming more popular uh, these days, although it's been around for a long time, and this is called Christus Victor. You gotta love Latin, right? Yeah, sounds pretty intense. So Christus Victor is basically that the cross shows us that Jesus Christ is victor over everything, and even up to and including death. There's a quote from one of the early church fathers that says that, uh, like, Christ couldn't redeem, like, that, or how does it go? I should have Googled this beforehand, (laughs) that he cannot redeem like that, which he did not, uh, like himself experience. This is not how the original quote goes, but that's the gist of it. Mm -hmm. In other words, how can he free us from death? If he himself didn't experience death, how can he like really identify with us and our humanity? If he didn't assume perfect humanity, but then the cross shows us that Jesus is a victor over all of those things. 
And then there's also another model of the atonement that's kind of like, I think it's called Christus Exemplar, which is basically that um, Jesus is living out the logical end of his teachings. And so when he tells us things like, love your enemies, pray for those that persecute you, turn the other cheek, the cross shows us that he was willing to basically put his money where his mouth is, up to and including death. And so if he calls us to do anything, he already did it for us. And one of the weaknesses of this model is that I don't think it pays enough attention to that there's something that actually did happen on the cross that's powerful. Um, So I think all of them have some good points of view. Uh, I don't really know what the final like application point this listener is asking for. Mm-hmm. But I think if you are reading a book about any one of those types of atonement theories, I think that's great. And you should look at the cross from all different possible aspects. In terms of what we would emphasize strongly at Three Crosses, like we do believe a lot that humanity has a sin problem and that the death of Christ pays for that in some important transcendent eternal way and that it's offered to humanity freely like that the death and resurrection of Christ pays for your sin, that there is something to this substitutionary aspect. We would believe that strongly. We don't think about the cross as just some sort of parable or just some sort of myth or just some sort of good idea. We think it actually happened in history and that it really matters and even matters for us today. So that's really good news, isn't it? That Jesus pays the price for us. And even if I'm not quite sure exactly how that works or how to explain it quickly, quickly, LOL, on a podcast. <laughs> I don't know how long I've been talking. Um, and that's okay, too, because something so important and fundamental like should require some thought and some thinking. But the short news is Jesus died for you, and that's good news. Hey, guys. Sorry to interrupt, but this is Buzz. Post-production, reaching back from the future, as if this is Avengers Infinity War, to let you know that I was thinking back about this atonement section we've been talking through, and it's really complicated, and handling it in five minutes just isn't enough. And so I want to encourage you that if this is intriguing to you, to don't let me be the final word. Uh, In fact, we went back and linked some resources for you in the show notes. And so if you, depending on what you're listening on, you can swipe on our infographic on most phones that will link you to the show notes. And then I think our website, you should be able to figure it out. You guys know about computers. You know how to click on stuff. Uh, Or if you have any questions, always feel free to reach out to us at podcast at threecrosses.org. I found a couple videos that I think are super helpful just in walking through, like what did Jesus's death actually accomplish? So now we're going to go back to the past slash future slash present. Take it away, Alyssa. That's great news. And I think that having the cross as a symbol is always reminding you what he did. And so instead of just having it in your heart, in your mind, to physically see it always brings you back. Yeah. You know, we even have the huge statues out front, right? Because that's so central to what we believe. You know, in the Roman time, the cross was an instrument of torture and basically foolishness punishment it's like the worst way that you could die like just completely outside of society and yet christianity has embraced this foolish symbol as the center of our identity i think it's really cool that some so much about following jesus puts your world upside down all right i like it that was very hard-hitting let's come to something almost (laughs) quite as hard-hitting whose idea was this questions episode i think it's going great (laughs) i I give myself a two out of five all right (laughs) okay so i like to kind of imagine conflicts. This is just a joke. This is a bit. Okay, this is not actually how it is. But I like to imagine that the 8 o'clock service at Three Crosses and the 9.30 service at Three Crosses and the 11 o'clock service at Three Crosses are like different teams and different subcultures. And we're all trying to figure out who's the best. Like, what's the best service? All right. What service do you and your family attend? And why is it the best service time? Well, when he first started here, uh, my husband uh, was Catholic. He was forced to forced to go to mass very early in the morning, multiple days of the week, 
and just have it be a part of their life and in a kind of, for him, a negative way. So he took that part of his life and said, we're going to the eight o'clock service and because that's what I did. And so we started going to eight o'clock service and it was fine. Yeah, we liked it. But but again, back to the kids. Can you hear it coming? Eight o'clock service, people? I know. There's a but. I'm it's sorry, coming. There's a but. So, <laughs> I would have been fine with eight o'clock service. But again, you know, I, my children don't rule me, but I want to give them the best experience, positive experience, because my husband's experience was not positive. Um, their friends were not at the eight o'clock service. I mean, they had friends there, but having one them more awake at 9.30 and having more friends at 9.30, we decided to do the 9.30 service. So okay, we do the 9.30 service. We love it. Uh, also, the listeners in the Bay Area, this is football season right now. And my husband is a Raider fan, a hardcore Raider fan, even though they're moving to Vegas. But that's a different story, a different podcast. Probably not for here. Uh, so, so we can talk all about trashing the Raiders on this podcast, right? Absolutely. Don't even worry. <laughs> he won't about listen it. to this one then. <laughs> um, so he uh, wants to see them, but he also wants to, you know, love his God and and make sure that he comes to service. And so he himself comes to the eight o'clock service, and then I bring the kids at nine thirty. Some Sundays, not every Sunday. So. Yeah. Pacific time is like the worst time zone for being a sports fan in some ways because like the football games start during church, right? And then if you like basketball, I'm an NBA fan. Right. Like the games start at like four. I'm at work. Like I can't <laughs> can't watch it. Yeah. Can I watch it? I don't I don't, oh, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think know. I don't think you're supposed to watch sports at work. I don't know. I haven't <laughs> seen our HR manual in a while. I don't think right. that's in there. Maybe they should add that this clause is a great in there. Area. So let me text Danny and see what yeah. he has to say about it. So nine thirty you like because that is kind of when the kids crew is really rolling and right. that kind of a thing. And honestly, we try to get here a little bit early so we can see people at the end of the eight o'clock service and then we stay afterwards in the cafe and have drinks and then we see the eleven o'clock service people of you know come in and say hi. So we do kind of hit all three really of the, the community and the congregation aspect of it as well. Yeah. So. I think that's one thing I really like about our church is that we have like a really loving family feel, like even for a church our size, I yeah. think like it can be hard to find your way in. And so if you're a listener thinking like, man, I just don't know how to find my way in. Like I empathize with that. It can be tough. Like there's a ton of people, but I think that our culture tries to replicate that. And so to hear you saying, I want to hang out with eight o'clock people and the 11 o'clock people. I think that's really, really yeah. awesome. Well, and I think it's genuine too. I mean, people are just so happy to be here and everyone, you know, gets along and it's great. And it's, and I've seen other churches where it's kind of like a who's who and dressing a certain way where I feel like here it's more relaxed and we really want to love on each other. So I like that part of it. That's good. Yeah. I will take that as a compliment and not as you trashing my fashion sense. So <laughs> <laughs> all know. right, whose turn is it to pull this thing out of the all ditch? All right, let's see here. So let's ask a fun question here too, instead of something so hard hitting. Um, you have four boys, which I don't know how your wife does it. I, you know, bless her. Uh, what are some challenges that arise from trying to love them equally and treat them the same? This is a great question. Also, why are you only compassionate for Tara? I also have the boys. Well, you are here at work <laughs> and she is homeschooling half of them. So that's true right now. That's true. So, oh, man, parenting is like super hard. Right. And yes. I remember when our oldest was born and all these like well-meaning uh, people who are a little further along in life than I was, they would say like, enjoy it. It goes so fast. Mm -hmm. And you try to like, yeah, probably telling me the truth. And then like two weeks later, they're a different human. Six weeks later, they're so different. Six months, it's like this not even, the newborn is totally gone. Like we're the figment of my imagination. It's like this new six-month-old creature. 
and like life changes so fast. And so we had Roman, our oldest, and we had Levi, our second son. And each person's personality is so different. So we have four sons. They have the same genome. <laughs> and they it's like they couldn't be more different. So Levi was really calm, and he is kind of that classic middle child consensus builder, super easygoing. You know, and then we had Asher, our third son. He's also super easy. He was our easiest baby. Um, parents know easy baby means you eat your food and not throwing a fit, and you also take your naps and you don't wake up. Right. And so, like, Asher had that on lock. And so then we had our fourth son, and I thought, like, man, like, A, why is God doing this to us? B, this is great. I have all the toys. I have all the clothes. Like, I don't need to buy anything, right? Perfect. I know how to change a diaper. I know how to put a baby to sleep. I'm a pro. This is going to be so easy. And Gabriel was so hard. <laughs> Not to name any names, but his name is Gabriel. And he was so hard. <laughs> he wouldn't sleep. He wouldn't eat. He'd yell at me all the time. And like right from day one, I remember just thinking like, these are just not the same kids and you can't treat them the same. No. Like we learned that super early on. And then even with four boys, like one of the biggest generational challenges I think that we have is now my son is in middle school and he's 11 and a lot of his friends are, you know, watching certain movies or certain shows and we are tending to be a little bit more conservative on some of our entertainment than the average. Um, and especially because like in our house, if Roman, my oldest is going to watch it, then I have to have to basically let my youngest son watch it as well. Okay. So like he wanted to watch, uh, Avengers, I think something and like in theory, I would probably let Roman watch the Avengers, but I wouldn't let my four year old like right. with those imageries. And so now we have to decide, are we going to split the family, like stuff the kids in the basement and then like let Roman watch the show by himself, like with his dad, or are we going to have to restrict Roman from doing what he wants to do? And then feeling like a little bit left out at school because he doesn't understand some of the stuff his friends are talking mm -hmm. about. It's like, that was really hard, I think, uh, to try to parent an 11-year-old at the same time as you're parenting a four-year-old. You know, we didn't give our 11-year-old any sort of digital mechanism until he was probably like eight was the first time he played iPad, maybe a little bit sooner than mm -hmm. that. And Gabe has been on it like since birth. It's like, right. you don't give up. But you kind of give up, right? You have to <laughs> self-preserve yourself as it's, well. It's really hard to say, like, here's a privilege for your older brother, and you can't have it either. And so we try to be fair, and we try to treat them equally. And then we also have to remember that their experience is just not the same, and that's a good thing. Like, Roman, my oldest, he doesn't have the experience of having any older siblings. Like, that's a privilege and a curse, I guess, that he won't ever have. And my third son has older brothers and younger brothers. Like that's a privilege and a curse that some of his other brothers don't get. So each person's situation is just so different. And so when I think like we don't spend as much one-on-one -on -one time with my younger sons as we did our older two, like I think that's okay. Like their family dynamic was different. I think also having that many kids, they don't know any different, right? So this is just their life and this is how they operate. So I don't think they'll ever feel, the younger ones will ever feel without because they felt your love. They just don't know the Avengers movie yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's very encouraging. I think we do a pretty good job at keeping the main things, the main things like you're saying. But there is some worry, I think, if I'm honest, about like, will my sons grow up and feel like I had enough of mom and dad mm -hmm. in my life? And then like, especially working as a pastor at church, like that's often very hard for kids that you have to share your family with so many other people. And that's a great benefit, I think, for mm -hmm. them. And then it's also a, a challenge. And so we try to measure that pretty well. I feel like my spiritual gift is identifying problems 
And then I need to find somebody whose spiritual gift is identifying solutions and then like partner with that person because I just like outlined all the challenges. They did not ask me for solutions. And right, so yes. I feel like I five out of five answered that, answered that question. All right. All right. One more for you, sure, Alyssa. <clears throat> uh, as a follower of Jesus, looking back, what do you think is one of the most important ways that that decision to follow him has impacted your life in a positive way? Oh, that is a burning question. Um, so... I think, you know, of all the teachings, so I grew up Mormon um, until I was 10. And so I knew Jesus, but there was also like a dot, dot, dot after Jesus. And so having the strict rules with that, uh, we weren't super, super practicing Mormons, but also having a different aspect of Christianity was a little difficult and different until I got older and realizing, oh, you know, he he just loves me, period, not dot, dot, dot. And so... Um, using that to prepare forward um, with getting married and having children, um, it's really just kind of helped me keep that in mind, knowing that just he just loves me, period, and that's it. And so um, having you know a, a positive effect in our life for my husband and I, um, and I told you kind of a little tiny story, that is that uh, when we were, my husband and I were first married, um, it was like probably like seven months into our marriage, I was four months pregnant, he was in a horrific motorcycle accident. Horrific. Oh, man. Yeah. And so he was taken to the hospital. He uh, had shattered his leg. He shattered his wrist. He broke several ribs. He broke all the blood vessels in his eyes um, because luckily he was wearing his full face helmet, which took the brunt of the crash. And so uh, the doctor said he was going to live. Everything would be fine, but he would need multiple surgeries and be in the hospital for a long period of time. So testing my faith with one, being a newlywed, two, uh, being a mother, going to be a mother, and three, now having to make decisions for another human being, which I didn't think I had to really do in my marriage, and also testing the vows of for better, for worse, and for sickness and health. And I was yeah. like, oh, okay, here we go. We're doing it now. <laughs> so that was a big uh, you know, uh, impact on my life. And then relying on my faith helped really helped me get through it. It was, you know, difficult. And of course, when it happened, I was crying and, you know, very upset. And I literally, into myself, I said, God, if all he has, because at the time I didn't know what was wrong with him. They just told me to come down to the hospital, to Eden um, Hospital. So I didn't know what I was walking into. And so I said, God, if he only has broken bones, that's it. We're going to move forward from it. I can handle it. You know, just give me this. And so I walked in and we saw the doctor and, uh, you know, he told us what's going on, that he'd be fine. He would need surgeries. And then he, of course, would have to learn how to walk again because that was a big part of his leg um, that was broken to walk. And so I said, okay, good. And so literally from that point on, I relied on God and Jesus to get me through the hard times of it. Um, And of course, I had my family and my friends were all there to help me, but just knowing that Jesus loves me, period, was there. That was it. I didn't have to worry about anything else. So and it's really helped me propel forward. And it's made our marriage stronger because, uh, you know, early on in a marriage, having some sort of impact or something negative happen to you, and then you can live through it and you could do it together. You're like, okay, yeah. everything else is just golden because you're still here and we did it together. So Yeah, we were talking about that at our small group last night, that these difficult times, they can either uh, push you together mm-hmm. or drive you apart. And right. So like leveraging that difficulty into togetherness, I think, is a really beautiful testimony. Yeah. yeah. I also like the way you talk about it used to be Jesus, dot, 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 and now it's just Jesus, period. Right. You got rid of the other two dots. Yes. <laughs> 
that's really good. I was talking to one of my other friends and, uh, you know, he's not really a believer and kind of asking me about my faith in Jesus. And I said, it almost feels juvenile to say, but like that Jesus loves me. Mm-hmm. Like it really matters. You know, I think of that kid's song, you know, Jesus loves me. This I know. Yeah. I sing that to my kids every night, but it really is true. Period. Yeah. So well, I think it frees you too, because when you have the naysayers or the, the negative people in your life that really, is this how you're going to be? It's like, I almost have like feel like I have the secret gift and they don't have it. You know, it's like, yeah. you just don't know how good it could be if you just let yourself go instead of, you know, overthinking things. You yeah. Know? Yeah. That's one of the teachings of Jesus in Matthew is that whoever seeks to like save his life will lose it. Right. And that's what you're talking about. If you hold on to your own life with worry and like trying to solve it yourself and like self-reliance and worry, like that's, that's kind of losing your life. But Jesus says, if you will lose your life for my sake, like you really find it. Yeah. That's what you're talking about. Kind of letting go, stepping out in faith and trusting him. So yeah, it's awesome to see yeah. how real Jesus can be in your life. All right. All right. Let's hit one more burning question, and we just got it hot off the press here. So let's see here. Oh, man. <laughs> How hot is the press, I it's, wonder? Is this more like here. a panini press, or is this like <laughs> one of those staples red buttons that says press on it? Well, you you haven't, you know, you're just going to hear it from me for the first time. So here we go. How can I make my quiet times effective? Sometimes it feels like I've had a hard time understanding what the Bible is actually saying. Asking for a friend? <laughs> Asking for a friend hot off the press. So. <laughs> that's a good, that's a very good question. Yes. And so a quiet time, if I understand this question correctly, is the, uh, this person talking about any time they spend each day praying or reading their Bible or just spending a few minutes, what we call kind of with the Lord. And so um, sometimes we call that a quiet time or your devotional life or spending time with the Lord. You know, you might hear some of these different terms. They pretty much mean the same thing. And I think that that's really important to have a time that's devoted to this. Like uh, a person's spiritual life, like you can grow from a lot of different things. So like you just told us about growing from a tragedy, for example, that's different than a quiet time, but it's a way that God was really real to you. You can grow from attending church on Sundays and hearing from the messages and you should, right? And that's a really important way. You can grow from spending time uh, out in nature with the Lord. I think that that's like really important for me and my wife. Um, you can learn by study. You can learn in times of worship. So it's not just a quiet time. I think that's important to note. And it's also true, I think, that uh, for some people, some of those things, this totality of ways you can come close to the Lord are more natural for you. And then there are some which are more difficult for you. Uh, my friend Matt, who was a retreat speaker for Young Adults Group uh, a couple years ago, he talks about this in terms of an upstream practice or a downstream practice. So you think about like in a canoe, right? If you swim downstream in your canoe, I don't know why you're swimming in the canoe. You probably need to bail that canoe out at right. that point, but you're paddling the canoe. Let's get our verb choices going on correctly. Uh, those are what's easy for you. So like for me, uh, study is really easy. Like uh, I love it. I love to read. I love school. Uh, and for me, like worship is not my most natural thing. Like if you ever watch me in church, like don't look at me and be like that guy, I should worship just like him. Like I'm probably just standing there. Right. Like it's just not the most natural way for me to connect with the Lord. Right? I, and so, I love seeing people have their hands up and just get super into it. I'm the same way. I'm like, I'm just going to stand here. Yeah. I'm listening. I might put my hand up from time to time. Who can say? Now I'm going to be self-conscious every Sunday. Like, who's, who's watching <laughs> Now I'm going to come to 8 o'clock service and see. That's right. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
I don't go to eight o'clock. I go to 11. Who can come to eight? Oh. <laughs> I'll come to Anyway, we're looping it back in. <laughs> yes. I feel like because of those reasons, like some of the things are natural for you or not as natural for you, like a lot of people feel much more guilt in their quiet time than they do like life-giving time with Jesus. And I think that's really kind of sad that this thing that we've made, like the center of our Christian faith is fundamentally a negative thing. Like instead of thinking, I can't look forward or I, I look forward to this. I can't wait for this. People think like, oh man, I should have been doing better. Right. And so I guess my first tip to a person trying to improve their quiet time is like, try to let go of some of the guilt around it. Like mm-hmm. there's no cosmic Google sheet where Jesus is tracking your devotion time. It's just not there. Like, f- so forget it. Yeah. <laughs> At the same time, like you should be intentionally doing some practices which drive that intimacy with the Lord. It's very important. And so this is one of the ways that following Jesus, sometimes it feels like it can be almost contradictory because on the one hand, I'm saying with truth and confidence, like let go of the guilt, it does not matter. And then with the other hand, saying and meaning like, but it's super important for you, like you should do it. So if instead of looking at it with guilt, you could look at it as like a discipline or a thing that like, like, uh, like working out. Uh, I do not enjoy exercising but I know that it's good for me, right? And so I have to do it anyway. Or if you don't really enjoy eating well, like you know that it's good for you, and so you have to do it anyway. And then you kind of find that these healthy practices, they start to, you almost get addicted to them. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you've ever eaten healthy. This is like a weird thing to say. <laughs> I, I try to eat We're healthy. flying without a net here. Mm-hmm. But are, like if yeah. you've had like really healthy, you've been eating your vegetables, you know, lean meats, just delicious stuff. And then you go to McDonald's, you're like, this isn't even good. Right. Like, I don't even want this. Right. Like, it's ugh. not fulfilling. It's gross. Yeah. And so- Sorry to McDonald if you're listening, but I don't like your product, man. Like, raise your game. In the same way, like, I think that as you first start your quiet time, it feels more like your first time exercising. Like, you're just tired and you're fatigued and you don't even know what's going on. And if you can kind of burst through that, like, newness of it, you'll find that, like, it really is life-giving. I think it's probably close to the case that one out of about every five of your quiet times, you will feel like that was amazing. And three out of your five, you'll feel like that was okay. And one out of the five, you'll be like, that was a waste of time. Like if that's your experience, that's a very normal Mm -hmm. human experience. And it doesn't mean that God isn't working in your life. Like it's not just about feeling amazing. Like I think that that slow and steady kind of lifelong discipline, there's a lot to be said for that. Like how often do you work out and then you look and you were like, wow, I went from my before self to my after self in the space of one workout. Like it doesn't work that way, Right. right? And so quiet time is similar. So I would encourage this person, if you're looking to get better at a quiet time, to also find some accountability and do it with a group of people. And we have a great home communities ministry here mm-hmm. that can help you kind of align your practices with other people and hear from you know, their insights and provide some like good peer pressure to do the right things. Like doing something fully on your own is really hard, but doing it in concert with some friends, that can really help. So I'd say step out and get into community. And then also, if you can see your quiet time less as learning facts from the Bible and more like just spending time with Jesus, I think that that's a better way to frame it. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have uh, at Three Crosses also our life transformation seminars. Those are going to be changing a little bit moving into 2020. But one of the things that we hope to teach through these seminars is ways that you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, which means that you follow him even when you're not at church. And so I'd encourage you to get involved in some of those as well. Upcoming. All right. Oh, man, this is not easy. These really oh, are burning. I feel almost like somebody turned on my seat warmer too high and I'm just on the hot seat. <laughs> um, all right. Would you like a hot off the press question? Sure. Go right ahead. Okay. I'm 
hopefully ready for it. So you'll be ready. This is again, this is not that deep, but this is. Well, I am not a Bay Area native. I don't think you're a Bay Area native, but you lived here longer than me. I'm and a you're native from yeah. closer than I am. Yes, but you didn't get born right no, here. Not born this, right here. No, in this church, Castro Valley. No. What is the best Bay Area restaurant that I should go and eat at? Well, there's so many. That's kind of one of the main things we're known for is just being, if you are a foodie, you know, just loving food. So what kind, what like style of cuisine or that you like? You're not asking me. I'm asking I, well, I'm you. Well, I'm going to, you, I, this Do podcast, I'm going to like re-ask you a question because there's so many choices. So it's actually my job to do that. So <laughs> I love where you're going. I'm not, not up in here. Several. I feel like to Kevin Batumbo, the old NBA player, he would like block your shot and right, wave right. his finger yes. like I'm doing. Yeah. The listeners can't see. <laughs> but yeah, so for you and your family, what's your, your oh, own gosh. favorite? Like our, our go-to in Leandro Castro Valley area. Uh, well, for my husband and I, we like to go to um, Paradiso. It's in San Leandro. I've been there. Yes, nice. Like a shameless plug to them. That's They're great. They It's super clean and the food's great. Um, tablecloths are white actually. they're white yeah that's so that's why that's there. like the level of fancy that i get at that they're not paper so let's go start there <laughs> do <laughs> yeah. they have the glass top i don't think they do Man, i yeah, like those I for some reason yeah that's real fancy yeah um oh gosh now like like greater barrier so because i work in danville um they have a lot of you know good things over there too so um like a little hole in the wall sushi place that i like is called sushi yokohama it's really good. I'm a quarter Japanese, so I'm very picky about my Asian Japanese food. So there's that. Uh, and then, I don't know, sometimes we go to Knudsen, or is it called Knudsen's in Castro Valley? The K is silent. Yeah. yeah. Knudsen's. I so think that's right. The creamery. Yeah, the creamery. Yeah. yeah. We like that because that's just an easy go-to place. So I've been there too, but I haven't been to Sushi, Oklahoma, so I'm going to make a visit yes. there. Remember, we went to Knudsen's when my sister and her family visited. They live in... Kansas, which is where I was born and raised, and they came to visit the Bay. And for some reason, my mom was like, you have to go to Knudsen's Creamery. I didn't even know my mom had ever been to Knudsen's Creamery. <laughs> she also lives in Kansas. It's very strange. And I've never felt more like in tandem with my sister because we were sitting there in those booths, you know, and then they have the ice cream counter like right. way behind you. And then they bring you a menu of ice cream. And then you can also go get a free sample right. if you want. And so I said to my sister, like, you can go get a sample. And she said the most beautiful thing anybody has ever said. She says, that feels like a lot of work. I think I'm just going to order the ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't want a free sample of ice cream? I don't Come either. I was like, I get it. Like, I've seen ice cream before. I know how this works. I can just order <laughs> the one that I like. All right. Let's... Uh, Maybe do one more. Just one sure, more. Sure. Okay. And then if we have time for a bonus I one, like we we'll time for a bonus oh, one. Oh, bonus one. Okay. So here's a, another question for you. Three Crosses Sunday community groups seem to be centered around demographics rather than around a particular type of content. Why is this the case? And has there been any thought given to changing it? Wow. wow. Again, thank you, You're questioner, for thinking that thought has gone into really literally anything <laughs> we do around here. Um, I have a lot of sayings that I would like to one day be famous for, uh, maybe posthumously. Maybe that's the best type of fame. I don't know. So one of my questions or things that I like to say is behind every question is the question somebody really wants to ask, right? I felt that a couple of times here. Like, what is this person really driving at? You know, uh, I think I used this as a sermon illustration last time because like if a person says like, hey, what are you doing later? 
they don't actually care, right? They want to know, like, are you free to do right. what I want you to do later? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, are you busy? Hey, you got a minute? Oh, man, those are looming questions that have a question hiding behind them. And then the second thing, which is more applicable in this case, is that history is the answer for everything, right? So if you want to know why are things the way that they are, well, let's look at the history of a thing. So I really like history, and I believe in history. And one of our big strengths at Three Crosses that we have is a legacy of faithfulness, mm-hmm. like the church being founded in the 20s. And we did that documentary last summer, which was our last uh, spring, I guess. Really cool, like looking back at the history of our church and then standing on the shoulders of like these people that have gone before us. Like, I think it's so cool to be here. Like this church building that we have, like from the 70s, like faithful people here at the church, like have handed this down to us. I think that's really cool. And our community style is kind of also a legacy of our history, I think. And um, in one sense, like, uh, it comes from an origin of student ministries that we at Three Crosses, we really value uh, students and and kids and that we feel like that's important to train them in the, in the gospel and reach out to people at this age where they're still kind of making decisions about who they are and what they want to be. And especially kids who maybe don't have a great family life being a family for them. Like we really care about kids and students. You know, we both said how much we love our kids ministry. And so those are just kind of done by age. That's how the student life works. You do kids, you do junior high, you do high school, you do college. And then it was kind of like, well, what's after college, right? So let's make a a group. And back in the day, they called this Sunday school. This is kind of a term that's gone away a little bit, but uh, it used to be a really positive thing. I think nowadays people already think of Sunday school as something boring, but in the sixties, it was, it was hip. It was swell. It was, I don't know what they called it. <laughs> I, have to, I have to text Pastor Butch. Uh, so then, you you know, so you have like the post-college Sunday school group. And then uh, they just kind of kept getting older. Like that's how time works chronologically, you know. And then it was like, well, we don't have any groups for our young marrieds anymore. So then like that group kept going on. And then they made a group kind of younger and then kind of started that one sailing. Pastor Danny sometimes like describes this as the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disney. You know, like the train just goes and then you get on the people behind and you keep on going. And so there's just kind of a way that the history has made that happen. And then I feel like um, there's a lot of strengths to that because like as you're a parent, like leaning through with other parents, like that's a big deal. When you're an empty nester, like going through those same challenges with other empty nesters, like that's just all really positive things. And then the weaknesses of this, I think, are a couple fold. And so one is that if you kind of segment out by generation, you don't have the intergenerational mentoring or kind of growth that can happen. So like, I would love to, as a young parent, learn from a parent who has like been down the road a little Mm -hmm. bit, you know, but our, our setup doesn't really allow for that. And then it's also the case that some of our demographics, like we don't have a Sunday community for them. And like that really, that really stinks. Right. So like, for example, we do not have one for like young singles on Sunday mornings. Like it's just not really there. However you draw our boxes, sometimes it feels like I don't belong in any of these boxes, but we have kind of a, just a facility usage problem on Sundays as well. So like you come at 930, but you come early and then you stay late and I'm not blaming you for our parking problems, but we have parking problems. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. It's true. (laughs) And so we have, um, about 1200 people on our campus during the 930 hour and about 500 of those are in our Sunday communities and, however many's left math is hard, you know, 600 some odd in the service and people milling around the cafe, kids ministry, et cetera. We can't fit any more people. So even if we wanted to add more Sunday communities, like we don't have the space to do it. And, um, for that reason, we've kind of really tried to emphasize our home communities ministry in this upcoming season. And for uh, a lot of reasons. So number one, uh, is just logistically, but 
Logistics are always like the best reason to do a thing, but it was kind of the impetus. And so then secondly, home communities helps us identify that intergenerational need. So like you could be in a, in a home community that is focused on your particular demographic, or you could be in one that's more intergenerational. Mm-hmm. So I was speaking with our home communities coordinator this morning, and he leads one, and he has a, like a, you know, lady in her 60s probably. Uh, who is single. They have a married couple in their 50s that come. They have some single people in their early 20s that come. And it's just really beautiful kind of cross-generational slice. Let me ask another question to this. So on your community groups, is it mostly just on Sundays? So we have some on Sundays, but most of them are actually through the week mm-hmm. and um, and just different times. That's So like ours is on Tuesday nights, for example. There's some on Friday nights. There's some on Sundays after third service. There's one that actually does meet during the 930 service kind of around. And so it's just whatever's convenient for the leader. And yeah. it's tried to be a way to get people who want a particular thing, um, that community, that relationship away. So if this questioner has any more specific questions, feel free to hit me up at... What's your email, Alyssa? Oh, no. The complaint department. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, buzz at threecrosses.org. That's me. Or podcast at threecrosses.org. And we'd love to uh, walk you through and help you to get connected. Um, I think this is a great church to be connected at. And I hope that you will strive uh, to continue to do that. And then in 2020, as I briefly mentioned before, this is like a small teaser, right? We're going to be revamping our current life transformation seminars and hope to address some of these same weaknesses in that. So... So you got question four on your sheet, which is a doozy, and then you've got some hot off the press on your iPhone. Right. And so where are we reaching into? Let's do one from your phone, Uh, one from my sheet, and let's see see how it all comes out. This one is is a doozy. There's a a multi-part question here. So I've been researching the area of mindfulness, and that's caused me to think about a few different things. And this is multi-part. So one, can I as a Christian receive wisdom from people who don't have the same faith as me? And then two, how much can I receive from people who... who spread a message of love, but without the name of Jesus. And three, if I investigate these things, am I at risk for losing my faith? And to put it another way, is there a downside for me? These We're either doing only questions episodes in the future or never again, because man, <laughs> these are not softballs. I'm really grateful for that because I think these questions are real, right? And the way our faith intersects our life is super important. So man, I really appreciate not only this questioner, but everybody who sent in things. Yeah. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. And thank you again, Alyssa, for joining me. Of course. You say, of course, and you're like, I'm never coming back. <laughs> <laughs> I would. Well, I don't know. If you invited I me, I would. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that makes it sound like I'm being mean to you. No, I am not. I've had fun. I will plan to invite you back. All right. Am I just stalling? Because these are tricky questions. These are heavy no, questions. No, I'm not. So let me let me try to take these in pieces as much as I can. And so the, the first kind of segment was, can I as a Christian learn from people who don't share my same Christian faith? And so this is another one of these areas where I think Christianity says seemingly contradictory things at the same time. And so then on the one hand, we... Uh, teach, and I think at Three Crosses would affirm that uh, all humanity is broken and sinful and in need of a savior, right? And so in that sense, like outside of the saving grace of Jesus Christ, like we can't do good to earn our salvation. So that is, that is a true thing, right? We kind of talked about this when we talked about the cross. And then at the other hand, there's also a, a classic Christian doctrine that at Three Crosses we would happily affirm, and this is called the Imago Dei, which is that humanity was created in the image and likeness of God, right? And so then that means that um, there's something good about humans at the same time, so that we 
we have good characteristics and we have bad characteristics. So even though we can say like, you're not good enough to do enough good things to earn your salvation at the same time, like I think that God created you in his image and his likeness. And that's a really beautiful thing that we shouldn't lose sight of either. And so can we learn from people who don't have the same faith? I would say that you can, right? God has created humanity with wisdom and intellect. And I think of all the great scientists who wouldn't claim Christian convictions that have taught us so much about how the universe works. And I think about so many of the great writers or artists who wouldn't share my same faith, but have shown me a little bit about what the beauty that this world has to offer is, or make me think about things in a different way. I would say, yes, you can receive wisdom from people who don't have the same faith as me. I think it's also true that generally people who produce something, whether it's art or music or even science or some sort of conversation, um, sometimes on purpose, often on purpose, and sometimes just by the nature of how the world is, are trying to teach you something, right? And so this one was coming out of an area of like mindfulness research. Like this would be somebody who's trying to teach you how to have a certain state of mind in a certain way. And so although you can learn from that person, there is a, a way I think that you would want to be cautious that uh, is there something about this that's causing me to lean away from my Christian conviction or that just is contradictory to the worldview or truth claims of the gospel? And so I think you can receive wisdom, and then I think you should also be cautious, right? And I think particularly mindfulness type stuff is primarily didactic, which is to say like they are like on purpose trying to teach you something. And so like, be careful how much of that you want to learn. And so this is kind of like number two, how much can I receive from people who share a positive message like love or mindfulness has a lot to do with like being mentally present or aware of what's going on around you. So how much can I lean into that without the name of Jesus Christ? And that's another great question. And I think each situation is a little bit different, but at a, at a certain point, like as Christians, we would hold that Jesus Christ is love embodied, right? That he's the way, the truth and the life. And so at the how did you put it before? Like, uh, it's not Jesus dot, dot, dot. Right. And those dot, dot, dots being either, uh, Mormon teaching or dot, dot, dot being Muslim teaching or dot, dot, dot being even a central ethic of love or kind of just be nice to everybody. Like whatever those dot, dot, dots are, those need to be moved on down the road in light of just Jesus period. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, so a message of love is a good message, right? We want as much love as possible in the world. Like, absolutely, right? Jesus says this is the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And so the more even a non-Christian can love their neighbor as themselves, like, that's a good thing for sure. But we can't do that second commandment, love your neighbor, without remembering the first and greatest commandment, like, love the Lord your God, who we believe is revealed to us in Jesus Christ. So in that same way, like, uh, I think sometimes about, like, um, I don't know when this episode's going to air, but as we're recording it is when all the fires and power outages are going on, right? And so like absolutely people who are caring for their neighbor, bringing food, checking on their elderly neighbor, like that's amazing. Like that's love that we want to see shown in our world, loving your neighbor as yourself, giving funds, spending time to go up and doing fire relief. And you can do that with or without Christian conviction. Like those are both really good loving things that you should do, right? And then as Christians, we feel like, we have an extra responsibility because we have the mandate of Jesus Christ who modeled that love for us, even up to and including dying on the cross, like we talked about before. And we believe that people's physical needs are a window into their spiritual need, that I can fill you for a day and help you get some housing, but what about your eternal life with our Savior? Like the, We almost have like a second level of conviction. Um, and sometimes Christians have leaned so much into that second level that we forgot about the first level, and then our world looks around and is like, you Christians don't even care about anything except for heaven someday, right? And I think we should listen well to that critique. Like there is something about like just showing tangible material love to one another. At the same time, like the name of Jesus is super important. 
I know it's kind of a non-answer, but each situation is different. Like, can I partner with somebody who's doing fire relief? Like, great. You know, how much mindfulness can I receive from this particular teacher? Like, I don't know. Like, you have to rely on the Holy Spirit uh, to show you kind of the truth and the error. So this is kind of number three, right? If I lean in and look at and investigate these things, am I at risk of losing my faith? Or is there a downside for me for like looking at teachings that are outside of just like kind of a straight Christian uh, teaching lane, so to speak? And I think that's different for each person. You know, it's uh, there's some level of spiritual maturity and then there's some level of your own propensity. So for example, if uh, a person has a family history of alcohol abuse, right? Like that person should be aware of those things. And as they make decisions for themselves surrounding alcohol, they should take that into account. It doesn't mean that that's everybody else's Christian decision regarding alcohol use, right? Or if you have a certain propensity to be um, like filled with doubt as you look at philosophical questions, like maybe that's time to lean into some solid Christian teaching, right? If that's not your particular propensity to be filled with doubt, you might be a little bit more safe investigating some of these things. I'd give you some of the same advice that I gave uh, our quiet time person is to investigate these in community. So like, don't strike out on your own and try to sort it out on your own. Like these mindfulness teachers on YouTube, like like who knows where they got their stuff, right? Or if it's a PhD in neuroscience, like they might raise some questions that you don't have a ready answer to. I am not afraid at all that Christianity does not have a good answer to those questions that those YouTube teachers raise. Like Christianity has an answer, like because Jesus is the truth, right? So like we just do. But the the idea that you can find that answer on your own in the moment maybe is a different thing. So like it's okay to take some time. It's okay to process through things. And it's okay to say like, this is maybe not a good season for me to investigate. I'll come back to this later, right? This was kind of true for me in college when I was sorting out some particular theological convictions in my own life. I, I put some of them on the shelf and I said, I'm going to come back to this stuff later in life. And I was able to do that in a better season for me. So it could be that the Lord is opening the door for you into exploring mindfulness and that you're going to receive a lot and that like the way they talk about being present, like that's really good. And then you can kind of shape that with an aspect of Christian prayer. And just as the Thessalonian says, for example, to pray without ceasing and to be really present, like that could be all really good for you. It's also possible that you'll just get confused about like, is God really even real? And am I just in my mind? And how does brain chemistry have to do? So if you find yourself kind of getting there, it's okay to turn off the YouTube, to come back to your small group reach out to a pastor, like that's okay as well. You don't have to be afraid of losing your faith, but I do think it's the case that sometimes people can get confused and it's okay to come back to safe ground. Jesus will always be waiting for you. All right, I have literally no idea if I answered that person's question well or not. And so again, reach out to Alyssa in the complaints right. department mm -hmm. or yep. to me in the uh, positive feedback department. <laughs> we will. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> okay, one last question. Does that make me a liar? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite drink at Cafe Four? And why should we go get it right now? Yes. So always is the sweet latte with almond milk. Sometimes I go back and forth almond and oat, but almond, yes. We don't have oat milk today as we record. I know. It's very sad. Right. So I had almond milk. I like almond milk. So um and then right now with the with the season, the fall season, adding that ginger is the is I love it. It's so yummy. Do you have you tried the ginger? I have not tried the ginger. Yes. Are you a fan of ginger? I've, I am a big fan. So you told me that you were a quarter Japanese and you like yes. the sushi place. And I love the pickled ginger that yes. comes on sushi. I am zero Japanese. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think I'm going to go get some right 
now. And so, Alyssa, once more, thank you for coming in and joining us. It's been uh, so much fun. Thank you to all of our listeners for sending in these questions. If we didn't get to your question or if there's something else that came up or if you'd like to follow up about any of the things we've talked about, you always feel free to reach out to us at podcast at threecrosses.org on email or you can hit us on our social media platforms. Come see us on a Sunday morning. Alyssa will be there at 9.30 and I'll be there at 11. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we'd love to say hello. I think that following Jesus is so important and it's so hard to do alone. So man, take a step, come in and join us uh, in person in the flesh. And so thank you for joining us digitally today. We're praying for you. God bless you. And we'll see you soon.